Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, David Sano, joined, as always, by the Peter B. Parker to my Miles Morales, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm uh, going through a midlife crisis and very unsure of myself. And our very own Miguel O'Hara. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Oh, here to piss people off, but ultimately look kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you were born for. The Seahawks did it. They cut the roster down to 53 players today. Um, first, before we before we get into like the the nitty gritty of it, was there any big surprises for you guys at this point? Um, Kevin, go ahead. I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm a little surprised that uh, we kept as many linebackers as we did. Okay. Um, Twenty-seven. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think ten. Twelve. Right? Um, yeah, we kept, well, 10 if you include the edge players as linebackers, which I don't. But the Seahawks do. Yes, yeah. But the Seahawks do. I I will say this. the There's a little bit of sh- uh, chicanery going on here already. Like, for one, let's just start with this. The Seahawks didn't keep a punt returner. That's what surprised me. Like, there's not, like, a real, like, punt return guy on this roster right now. They did cut two guys. Like, that are... lock it back there. What are you talking about? Right? Oh, boy. Uh, they... <laughs> Yeah, that's what I want to do. That's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba just getting murdered every every time. Like that's what I want. Go put Jake so, Bobo to get the Jets on. <laughs> they, I think that they they uh, there's already some stuff going on. There's guys on here that are going to go. So the way it works, you do your initial 53 man roster cut down, then you can put guys on IR tomorrow, and then they can be designated to return. If you put them on IR before tomorrow, then they can't. Then they can't. Uh, they're done for the year. They're done for the year. So, okay, guys that guys that we think are going to go on IR. Okay, we, oh, wait, Eric, what was your biggest surprise? Did you have something? My biggest surprise was not so much the guys who got cut. It's the guys who made the roster. Yeah. Like I was looking at, you know, Mario Edwards Jr. I thought that might be a cut candidate. But then you look at like, well, who would you put in his place? Who got cut? I'm like, yeah, I can't it really seems like- tell you. Seems like that no one like he he was there to bring like veteran stability like a floor to the position and then no one stepped up and passed him, yeah. which is like a little yeah, disappointing. The Mike Morris injury definitely played into that, I think. But, that, but that's the thing is like guys got hurt, so like there's these are these are the guys that probably are going to end up on IR. Derek Derek Young, Mike Morris, Ty Smith. Like there's a bunch of guys that made the team that have these injuries that might keep them out for Kenny McIntosh is another one that might keep them out for or so weeks. <laughs> And that'll free up roster spots for us to either bring guys back or bring in veterans that other teams cut. So, Kevin, I know you, you took a peek around the league more than I did because <laughs> uh, I heard you say, like, is there any interesting candidates? Is there anyone that we might trade for or get from the, the cut list that you think might be a, an interesting fit? You know, the team does still seem to have a need at nose tackle for depth. The team does still seem to have a, a little bit of a need for a punt returner, uh, you know, and we can't just be like uh, like the guy in draft day. And say, give me Putnam. <laughs> we, can't, so, we can't. We can't. We yeah. We can't do the Scott Tetterman trade for uh, as somebody's entire roster. It turns out that that doesn't actually work unless it's San Francisco and they're trading up for a third string quarterback. So okay. So who are some guys that when you look around the league, you think, oh, these guys might actually be able to come in and help. These guys might be some of the guys we bring in when we can free up room from from the uh, the IR. So there's a few interesting guys for interior defensive line. Two names that stood out to me. Uh, Deadrin Sanat, who was playing for Tampa. He's started a lot of games on the interior um, for a few different teams. 
Uh, he can play nose. He's a little bit smaller for nose. He's like 6'1", 315. Um, he played some nose for Atlanta. He can come in and take like solid snaps there. Um, he's not going to embarrass you. He's going to be effective against the run. Um, and then uh, Gerard Clark, who I really liked in this last draft, ended up uh, going late. He might have been a UDFA. Um, and he's another guy who ended up getting cut. And he's somebody I think could be interested to bring in a, uh, another big body guy who could take, who could kind of soak up some snaps at nose tackle. Um, Godwin Iguabike got cut. Uh, the running back who came in and did some return game work for us at the end of last year. He might be a guy we can bring in because he already knows the offense. So he could come in and kind of handle some return duties while Kenny McIntosh is out. Uh, there's yeah. kind of people that, like that, like that tier of player where we're not we're not getting like a big time guy, but some people who can fill out the back end of the roster nicely. And there are a couple of guys who have trade rumors, Nick Bosa being chief among them. But uh, this will not shock you. They're not trading Nick Bosa to their division <laughs> rival. I don't, I don't think anyone don't should think be they, surprised, they're not trading him surprised anyway. no. by this. Um, but yes. OK, so let's go over the roster really quickly and just wait, uh, Kevin. Kevin, what do you think about bumper pool? Oh, Bumper uh, Pool got cut. Bumper, yeah, Bumper Pool Poole. got cut, guys. Tier S tier name, uh, like C tier special yeah. teamer. Special teamer. Yeah, yeah okay. he's he's not even Patrick O'Connell level. And I, sorry, I had to had to bring up Bumper Pool. So let's go. Sorry, Patrick O'Connell is left to pursue his destiny as a police officer in Chicago. Geno Smith, and Drew Locke made the team. Uh, well, the question is, do we keep Holton Aylers or do we go get a different guy that got waived? The uh, Bailey Zappies or uh, um, who's the guy? Will Greer's of the world. Jake Luton got cut, who uh, already knows the offense and could be a QB3 in my practice squad. Right. So like there there might be a, a guy we see as a better option than Holton Aylers. Holton Aylers got quite the look in the preseason. And I I wasn't like, does it, anyone in here want to want to back Holton Aylers super hard? Or we we all agree that there might be. I, I give it a very uh, a very firm shrug. <laughs> I think it's a little challenging for your emergency quarterback to be a lefty. Yeah, that's another thing. You're gonna bring in this weird left-handed. That's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Left-handed quarterbacks just have it tough anyway. Like I just feel bad for them in general. All right, running back. Covers kept Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet, DJ Dallas, Kenny McIntosh. Pretty straightforward running back group. Uh, this was know. maybe where I felt there was a shock because DJ Dallas tweeted something kind of cryptic everyone thought he was getting cut he was messing with us dude yeah and you, as soon as that was posted you're like you might just be messing with us well when i when i read that i was like nah you know it makes sense like uh the knight sir roderick thompson that's not his name um i thought <laughs> i thought maybe like are they gonna go with him instead uh and no they just kept dj dallas no and then yeah so another thing is is the guys who got the waived slash injured designation uh, they all go straight to IR if they do come back. They won't even – that's like just basically red true years. So Joey Blunt, By Jones, Jonathan Sutherland, who, like we, me and Kevin said, is the all-time greatest teammate <laughs> or something. Something's going on. Big fact, like, they just wanted to keep him around for uh, uh, the hashtag vibes. They, yeah. they, wrapped up, they wrapped up the vibes for the year. Um, and then wide receiver, we got Lockett, Metcalfs, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jake Bobo, Dariq Young, Cody Thompson. Thompson and Young are both hurt. So that was kind of like a surprise to me because if if those guys don't go to IR, it, I think Young's definitely going to IR, though, and Thompson maybe. Uh, if those are not IR, then they don't bring back any of these other guys who can return kicks. So Aesop Winston Jr. 
and uh Tajon Lindsay are the Tyjon, two returners. Tajon Lindsay, those guys, I think one of those guys, probably Winston, because they held on to him longer, uh, are probably on their way uh back when when Young hits IR. But then when 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 Young and uh D Eskridge come back, I don't know who hits the bricks there. Is Cody Thompson gone? Is does the Bobo era come to a close? It's hard to say. That will but, reveal uh, itself, I think. I mean, you'll be you know what six games in that'll be a we'll know we'll know i don't think it'll be like a hard decision yeah so uh yeah i like i think this is a good like good wide receiver setup obviously the top three are fantastic and then bobo has kind of you know obviously endeared himself to everyone and (laughs) we'll get four catches this year for 48 yards the thing about (laughs) bobo is if he's rolled out there on four wide receiver sets and they don't have four DBs that can cover, he has shown I, that if your guy is awful in coverage, he will just <laughs> expose how bad he is. So I, I have a theory about this. It's just something I just didn't think about, and I, I'm going to admit like as a personal failing, is that there's a likelihood that, that P. Carroll wants to play in more three wide receiver sets, but wants the third wide receiver to block. Because Jackson Smith and Jig was actually like surprisingly like a solid blocker. He's like bigger a, than you think he is too. He's like, like 6'1", 200. He like plays. He, he's like a re, actually a really good blocker. And Bobo is also a good blocker. And if you put three wide receivers out there, and then one of those guys can wash the the safety slot that they put over him, and then also just beat that guy on a route, like that's that's pretty premium, I think, for Pete Carroll. And something that maybe I should have thought about more as uh, as we went through the process, because that that is like a an X factor on this team is we want to run the ball. And a wide receiver who can block is obviously valuable in that regard. Um, only three uh, tight ends. Wait, real quick. Uh, the the Jake Bobo, uh, you know, um, what is it? I, I singing train. in the rain. No, Bobo, the singing in the rain story. Uh, Bobo, Jake Bobo, Bobo would have ran a 4240 if he had not been running in a deluge. He, apparently Bo- he was running in a hurricane, according to the way that this story is being told. Bo- Bobo, Bobo <laughs> sapiens everywhere. Rise up. Uh, Bo- the Bobo sapiens, yes, they have said to me that that he had to run his 40 in a monsoon. So I was like, there's no way it was raining the hard. It's Los Angeles. So I went and found a video of it. And uh, yeah, okay, bud. It was raining really hard. I'm not going to say it didn't slow him down, but Hey guys, uh, Chris Carter. <laughs> it was ran LA a slow forty. It was LA. It was LA rain for sure. And I'm not, Tom Bolden. His, his ran four a slow nine might have been a four eight. Yeah, they didn't run a slow. They ran a slow forty, but like everyone's like, okay, guys, Keenan Allen ran a slow forty, and then you like look up what Keenan Allen's forty time was, and it's like, okay, yeah, he ran a slow forty, but it was like four seven. It's like, yeah, that's fast. That's a lot faster. <laughs> Than four Jake nine, Bobo's nine. forty was slightly faster than any of ours. You know what though? I, I'm into it. I I want him to succeed. He's on the team now. I don't care anymore. Like I, Jake Bobo's my dude. I'm all in now. I'm I just like Pete Carroll. I'm gonna tap the sign. I'm in. Okay. I there's no there's nowhere else to go but up. Bobo's Take a great that, blocker. He, he's gonna keep gaining weight, and soon he'll be he'll take Colby Parkinson's spot as the number one move tight end on our team because Noah Fant will be gone, and Colby won't be good enough to stop Bobo. So Bobo's going to be the number two tight end on our team next year. Calling it there out. goes Bobo's. All right, wow. Will Will Disley, Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, the 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 tenacious three. That that's that was pretty. I think easy. There was a chance we might keep a fourth because Mabry was pretty good in the preseason. Yeah, and he's been on our Mabry's practice squad flashed. for like it's... a million years. Yeah, I mean between uh, between him and Colby Parkinson, it was going to be. Likely Colby, but I don't know. One injury away, maybe you were real close. If we send two wide receivers to the IR, is there a chance we bring Mabry back and uh, like Mabry and Winston? 
and then Mabry is the one that maybe gets flexed out depending on what's going on with like the Astrid coming back or something. I yeah. think that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. They like putting a big guy in the slot. We've seen it. We saw it last year, and now this year it's going to be Bobo. It's going to be Parkinson. It's going to be Fant. They're going to put those three dudes in the slot, and they're going to they love having like a big a big slot guy. I have um, a second question. Has anyone is, seen is a it picture? about the, is it about the term big slot? No, I was going to just <laughs> let that hang out there in the air. Uh, I also wasn't going to say anything about your desire for a big guy in the slot. Um, so, Will Disley, has anyone seen a picture of him holding a recent newspaper? No. Did they make okay. newspapers? Just checking. <laughs> okay, valid follow-up. Um, the Chicago Tribune is mad at you. I know he had a press conference <laughs> like at the beginning of training camp. I saw okay. that. It's just one of those things. Like, I, If he popped up on the IR uh, tomorrow, would that be – what percent surprise would you be? No, he's, co- he's coming I back mean, from an injury at the end of last year, so right. I, I think they brought him along slowly, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna go. Kevin in the preseason, I saw him with his football on his head, like wearing it as a hat, and he had the <laughs> uh, he had the you know the eye uh, the eye strips on. So yeah, he's he's ready to suit up and stand around. Okay, so we're letting <laughs> he's he's taking his veteran off days now. That's what I'm hearing. Got it. <laughs> Uh, he's basically he's, he's 27, but he's had like three major leg surgeries, so he's basically like 38 years old. Yeah, but so he's uh, 27, but his knees are 38. Charles Cross, Damian Lewis, Evan Brown, Phil Haynes, Abraham Lucas, Olu Olu, uh, Anthony Bradford, Jake Curran, Stone Forsyth. That, nine for nine. That was the easiest, I think, on the whole roster. I think so, too. Uh, to decide. <laughs> the only question was, was like, will Olu Olu start or Evan Brown? And I think Evan Brown kind of won at least the right to start first. And then would Anthony Bradford get good enough to take one of these guard spots and the answer was no there is potential there though he looked he's got some run snaps on tape now that are just like wow you see it you see why he got one of those little hammers next to his name (laughs) but but uh but yeah it's not uh it's not done yet it's this is a this is going to be a a little bit of a project in the anthony bradford experience and i would guess that bradford because he's built like uncle buck I'm going to guess that if a gar- <laughs> if a gar- if Phil Haynes gets injured, which he is wont to do, uh, yeah. that Jake Curran will probably get the first shot at guard, not Bradford. I just That's don't think ugly. that. I think that Bradford, they'll, they might they might hold him back. He he is struggling with the technique stuff, but when he hits on a play, it's like whoa, the athleticism pops. He's he's very real. Yeah, Pancake he can dominate game. a guy. He just doesn't know where to dominate them at. Yeah. I maybe we'll do a split thing where he plays on run plays. <laughs> I think Olo Timmy uh, getting injured kind of seeded that to uh, Brown. I think Brown was probably going to end up winning it anyway. He put together a good preseason and yeah, it was a pretty good. even battle. But Olo Timmy kind of got nicked up and that was enough to make it pretty easy. Yeah, and I think Olo Timmy over time is going to be like a really valuable asset that they keep around for a long time. They just love him. And like you don't need your even if he ends up being a career backup, you don't need your backup center to be like uh amazing if he's like a really smart and good good enough you know yeah he's super smart super capable and that's a very valuable player yeah, it's, a, it's just like have him around is good what's well, uh chris gray yeah played kind of guard center he was a little undersized didn't matter because he'd just go out there and do exactly what his job was every time yeah all right now we get to the uh the interior defensive line here the three the, the three in our three four or actually it's probably gonna be like a three three most of the time uh draymond jones jaron reed or five two Jaron Reed, uh, Mario Edwards Jr., Mike Morris, Miles Adams, Cam Young. But we didn't see some of these guys we hardly saw this preseason. And so this is probably where we see a couple guys hit the IR. 
maybe. And like Kevin said, we need depth at the nose. It is the most likely position that we'll bring in extra guys to uh, to back up. Do you think any of these guys that we waived in nose tackle, uh, the uh, Matthew Gotell, um, I guess Austin Fowlu, <laughs> like these guys are none of these. Austin Fowlu um, got pupped. Okay, with so. uh with uh Brian Monet. So I we'll cut him six weeks ago. Gotell's probably the most likely. Um, just because he kind of showed he could handle those responsibilities. Uh the and mini fridge is fun, but he didn't really show that he could handle the double team. Yeah, Gotell has been around the team for a couple, for a year two two. He's like gotten this is bounced around a little bit. So hopefully uh if he comes back, he sticks in the rotation, plays his eight snaps a game or whatever that we need to make sure Jaron Reed doesn't get too run down. Mm-hmm. Uh linebacker. Wagner, Brooks. Oh, let's go interior first. Wagner, Brooks, Bush, Radigan, Belore. Seems about what we expected. Belore was like the, Radigan over O'Connell. Uh, which was which is something that I think uh I would have gone I would have gone the other way, but I see why they went the way they did. It's it was close. It's not like uh they I think one of the th- considerations there too is like which of these two guys do you think we can sneak onto the practice squad? Which one of these two guys? And Radigan has like NFL film where he's decent. Yeah. So, exactly. so, so it's like, can you save Radigan? Maybe not. Maybe if you cut Radigan, you don't get to keep him. If you cut O'Connell, you probably get to keep him on the practice squad. So uh, we'll see Patrick O'Connell probably in, a, in about three days uh, joining the Seahawks practice squad. And that'll be great. Uh, maybe he'll get the call up a couple times. In and the then, meantime, Wagner, Brooks, Bush as a top three is a really, really, really solid linebacking top three. Eric, can you believe Jordan Brooks is ready? I mean... <sighs> Tiger blood. I guess. Wolverine, Wolverine blood. Wolverine blood. I just, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll believe it when I see him. I mean, we still got two weeks. I know he's ready. I know Jamal Adams is nearing ready. I'm just like, is this for real? Is this going to happen? Don't, yeah, Devin, don't think Devin Bush. It. Devin Bush kicked a picked up a little uh, ding in on that punt play too, so you know he might be the similar in a similar situation as Brooks. It might be a, a split between those two guys because they're both, you know, coming back from from different injuries. There, uh, are the you out- suggesting we do it like a three legged race and lash them together? Then the, between the two of them, we have one complete linebacker. Devin Bush wears zero, so you can just put him on the field whenever you want because it doesn't add to the total number on the field. Kevin, that's how Jake Bobo. That's how Jake Bobo is getting all his yards. He's just three dudes. Uh, he's, just, he's three. He's, he's three, three kids in a trench coat. He's yeah. three kids in a trench coat, and the, they're, they're, he's going to go do a business. <laughs> he's got. I got a business. And, like do. one of the two of those kids are really fast, but it, there's that one kid slowing him down. It's the it's the kid on the top. What what, what was uh, Vincent Adult Man from BoJack Horseman? <laughs> the scrawny adult slash three kids in a trench coat. It's, I, I'm just going to do adult stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, the. We got the edge players, Nuosu, Taylor, Mafe, Hall, Smith. Uh, no huge surprise there except for Good job on Le- Ty Smith. Levi Bell. And, yeah, Eric, we were, you were on Ty Smith from, like, the start. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he played really well, and I, I felt like he was an easy, uh, you know, welcome to the roster. It was, it's, it was easy to forget him, too, because, like, he was a fifth-round pick last year, but we never saw him. He read and, and, and it was, like, easy to think, oh, yeah, he's just not part of the plan. But – you, know. you see those Seahawks graduates, though, like, uh, you know, you've seen them before. Uh, Kuna Ford was one of those guys, I think. And it's just a, a guy that they kind of sneak on and say, ta-da, here he is. He's ready. The other thing I'll say is, and I called this in the preseason when we saw him playing snaps with his hand in the dirt, too. Um, he offers a little bit of flexibility because he's just big enough where on passing downs, 
you can use him as a down lineman, which gives us another guy we could put in that rotation to give people a breather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he definitely uh, is an, int- an interesting player. Okay, cornerback, Tariq Wollin, Trey Brown, Michael Jackson, Devin Witherspoon, Kobe Bryant, Artie Burns. They kept everyone, which is kind of nice, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> kind of like it because if you want to be deep at a position this is the one and those guys are all those guys are all average or better nfl football players not a bad not a bad guy in the bunch and if jackson is the one that's you know working his way down the depth chart like i don't think you should just cut him he he showed that he can be in a passable nfl cornerback last year um so i'm what which okay this is a question i have for you guys we're gonna start with three of these guys on the field which three are gonna start on the field one (laughs) will and brown witherspoon Woolen Brown Witherspoon. Eric, you, you got something? Woolen Brown Burns. I'm going Woolen. Just to be different. Burns Witherspoon. Ooh. Um, but I, I also like Burns. I think Artie Burns really put up a great preseason. They were talking about him the whole way. Like, oh, this is a guy we were really sad. We couldn't keep last year and uh, da, da, da. And, and now they brought him back and he played and he played good. So that's it. All right, safeties. Artie Diggs. Burns has been in the league for 15 seasons, and he's 27. It's the weirdest thing. He's one yeah. of those guys where you just like he, he was feels a, like he's been in the league. He's forever. a quadruple red shirt, Kevin. He was a young first round pick, and yeah. like that, he was like a very very highly touted prospect. And so now he's at age 28. Like, is this the is this the cornerback version of Geno Smith? Just change change <laughs> a few letters there. You know, sounds basically the same. Uh, cornerback, quarterback. Uh, okay, safety. Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, Julian Love, Jarek Reed, too. Uh, not surprising here. The, I guess the biggest surprise was maybe we could have kept a fifth safety. That would have probably been Jonathan Sutherland or Joey Blunt. Both those guys are hurt, and they're yes. gonna try, and they're gonna try to uh, sneak them onto the old uh, practice squad. I or they're gonna IR them. Really, they're gonna keep them for next year. Yeah, I think so. it would have been blunt if he didn't get hurt, and that made it easier to make it so he kept Reed instead. Who would have Who would have left for blunt? Who do you think? I actually think it would have been Jarek Reed. I don't know, uh, man. I think Jarek Reed played pretty decent in the preseason. He did. And we spent a six round back pick on him. I think it's a, tw- a coin flip between the two. Blunt seemed to be a little more like exciting place, but I think I, it could have came from a different position. That's not Reed, well, Reed Reed seemed a little more consistent. I don't know. It, it worked out, and uh, again, easy to pick once you saw the injuries. I think the yeah. other thing this tells us is Jamal Adams is as ready as they have us hype for him to be. Keeping mm-hmm. this many safeties means Jamal Adams is going to be ready to play. Maybe not like Some. constantly, but he's going to be able to put in a like a reasonable number of snaps from the beginning. Yeah, there's no way they go into the season with three safeties. Diggs, Love, Reed. That would be crazy. So, yeah. Either, through either, roof. either that or they're bringing back Ty Okada uh, with one of their. I, they're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> Specialists Michael Dixon, Jason Myers, and the Factory Zone, Chris Stoll. Um, someone actually. Uh, Usually my favorite Facebook ad. So when I was looking at the Jake Bobo pro day stuff, the videos and stuff, they, they were, their long snapper also did the broad jump. There was a video of it. And I was like, why did they have the long snapper do the broad jump? And then someone made a joke that they, they weren't a part of the factory. So I looked it up and no, they were, <laughs> they had, they had a profile on, uh, on Rubio long snapping website. And I made me they think, like, Sorry. it made me think like, is how deep does Rubio long snapping go? Like, is every NFL long snapper have a profile in Rubio long snapping? So I looked up Denver Broncos starting 
because I was like looking at the Broncos roster anyway. And yeah, he was on there. So that's at least two out of 32 that are from the factory just produces results. What can you say? It really, goes to the top, Nathan. There's nothing else to say except this is the factory that produces results. Proven methods of long snapping. It's the uh, long snapping mafia. If you let like, the path to the league runs through Rubio camps. Is Tyler Ott have a Ruby? Is Tyler Ott and Rubio? Is that or is that too? He might have too- predated Rubio. Yeah, I don't. As I don't timeless see. as Rubio is. Oh, oh, wait. Uh, I'm on YouTube right now. This is a video from 2014. Tyler Ott, NFL long snapper, Cincinnati Bengals. Snapper Tyler Ott from Harvard prepares for the 2014 NFL draft from Cole's Kit Cole's professional snapping camps. Is this the rival? Is this the Rubio rival? Maybe it's his predecessor, and he handed off the legacy to Rubio. Cole's, no, they had a 2022 Pro Combine. Cole's kicking camps are the number one specialist camps in the United States. For kickers, punters, and long snappers. I don't know if we should be talking about them on this podcast. Uh, We have our next off-season topic. Cole's versus Rubio. Who do you got, boys? I got to see what Cole's Cole's guy looks like. This is a rabbit hole I am very willing to go down. Uh, Let's see, staff. I'm, if uh, there's no handlebar mustache, I'm out. All right, and if Jamie he's not Cole. In the convertible, I'm out. Jamie Cole also has wraparound sunglasses, uh, no. but well, he does a not have snapper thing. He does not have any facial hair. Um, Strike one. He he looks like budget Sean McVay. Strike two. <laughs> yeah, but Sean McVay looks like budget Sean McVay. Nah, no, nah, dude. This guy looks like Walmart. Who's this young tryhard? Here, here, I'll put the like I'll put the link in the chat. This chat chat. This guy looks like 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 Walmart Sean McVay. Okay, Jamie Cole trains many current NFL starters and ranks nationally for Coles and ESPN. He started Coles camp with John and Andy Cole in 2000 and is widely viewed as the most credible source. Oh, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a shot directly at Rubio. That's like the, we got the factory, but we also have just the most credible saw, what are What are these 17 people on his staff? He's not just the greatest, and he's not just the best. He's just oh, sorry, wrong promo. Guys, they have they he, just have a hair a picture of Harrison Butker, and under it it says Harrison Butker. That's it. I mean, they want to make well, sure you knew. It's can we put that on the podcast? Punters. Rubio's is a little more focused. Rubio's is a little more focused on just long snappers, while this guy is training also kickers and punters. Rubio's so there a is specialist a specialist of specialists. This guy was the uh, he was a kicking consultant for the Chicago Bears. And in that time, the bear specialists thrive. Punter Pat O'Donnell broke the 102-year-old club record for net punt. This is so dumb. I love this. This is so, so stupid. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, now, now, now we have an, a secondary source, though. You're either a Coles guy or a Rubio guy, and uh, we'll see if we'll see is how the like split Philly cheesesteaks. I'm going to go. I'm going to go on the NFL. <laughs> no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on any of the NFL roster, and we're going to we're going to we're going to see who has the most long snappers. Is it Coles? Or is it Rubia? Who is the real factory that produces results? Next, uh, next, next offseason, we should, should see if we can get one in for offseason. I'm not waiting one minute after this podcast ends. I'm going to start. Okay, well, Rubio, Rubio had an event in Shoreline that may tell us all we need to know. Another, another thing that we want, we wanted to go over is we wanted to make sure we went over our bold predictions. We do it every year. Three bold predictions each for the Seahawks. Three things that we think are going to happen. Uh, these are bold for any number of reasons. Uh, you can cu- you can kind of come up with your own reasoning of about why why you think this is a bold prediction. So, uh, does anyone want to go first? I'll go. 
Go for okay. it. Okay. Um, I really don't like being a homer. I like, I like, you know, beating myself into submissions. So when good things happen, I can be excited. Thank you, Mariners. <laughs> Seahawks make the NFC Championship game. All right, nice. Starting us off big. I that's not just coming like I, obviously that's something the NFC sucks. Says, so I, I, I'm already I'm already kind of with you, but I'm I kind of feel like this isn't why would this team get there? We're unproven. Um, it all goes down to Geno Smith. Listening to the Richard Sherman podcast, uh, with Pete Carroll, it kind of got me really. It really got me more understanding Insp- of how Pete inspirational. Carroll, it's not that so much. I mean, it's a little for bit, me. It is. A lot like, of it is how Pete Carroll coaches and how he goes about things. So on that podcast, you know, not going over it all the way, but Richard Sherman said, like, you know, why did you stick with me? He's like, thanks a lot, Coach, for being on the show. Oh, I got it. Thanks for sticking with me. Why did you stick with me? And, you know, there was some laughter. He's like, well, look what you did. He said, I looked at your tape, and I was like, oh, this tape's not good. This tape's not good. And then I, I just looked at your practice, and I was like, you know what? we got to give him more time. I just feel like – when we give him more time with the guys, he's really going to shine out. And that's what Gino did. And seeing that philosophy with Pete Carroll, it answers a lot of questions we've had in the past 13 years. Um, I I don't know. I'm I'm all in. I'm tapping that sign, unlike TJ Hushmanzada. Uh, <laughs> I will say, every time Pete does an interview or anything, as a teacher, he says a lot of things that really resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. is a guy who really does value the relationship building and teaching part of coaching. Yep. All right. Uh, I'll, can I go next? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right. There, there in the in the forty eight year history of the Seahawks, there have been thirty two players who have rushed for eight hundred and more or more yards. In this season, the Seahawks will have will add two names to the list. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, Kenneth Walker, two. Thunder and Lightning. Three. It's Kenneth Walker, three. Sorry. Wow. Um, so, yep. And uh, there, ha- I do not think there has been another season where there is two, but I did not spend as much time trying to figure that out <laughs> as I did, as I did uh, with the other part of, uh, of the stat. So, yep, that's my, uh, that's my prediction there. All right. So uh, I named my predictions. Oh, um, Oof. Wow. My first one, Eric, this is for you. Uh, his name, I call his it, name Dave. I call it <laughs> Toxic Love, named after the horniest song in a kid's movie. Um, thank you, uh, Ferngully. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks will lead the NFL in turnover differential. Uh, last year, they were plus two, 25 takeaways, 23 giveaways. Um, I think they're going to beat the 14 interceptions they had last season. And the improved tackling and the more explosive pass rush, I think they can get more force fumbles. I think they're likely to end up with uh, 30 or more takeaways. So to give you an idea of what you need to be able to lead the league, top two teams last year, San Francisco is plus 13, Dallas was plus 10. So I think they will basically have um, 10 better on the turnover differential than they had last season. I like this. I like it too. Uh, All right, Eric, you're back up. All Hit right. Me. So coming in with this one, it was, I had a lot of thoughts and I didn't know which one to put down. And then all, it all came together into this one bold prediction. Boya Mafe will be a pro bowler this year. Okay. I like and it. So that, how that came about was like, was well, like 15 guys are going to get hurt. So that they'll all pass. <laughs> <laughs> and, then and then we'll end up in a situation is, like with Balt where Baltimore's backup was the quarterback. The, yes, this is, this is, uh, this is not how, um, 
uh, Tyler Mabry makes the Pro Bowl. No, this is Boye Mafe. <laughs> so uh, I thought, will he lead the league in sacks? No, but I can see him coming in third. I really can't see that. Ooh. I think he's going to have a lot of tackles for a loss. I have a feeling like he's going to have a huge breakout year. Um, I just think he's totally capable of it. Batting down passes, people are going to take notice. And uh, it's an old boys club getting into the Pro Bowl. So you really got to shine out to do that. And uh, I think he's going to do it. All right. Nice. Uh, is it my turn? It's you. Okay. You are, you're the meat in the sandwich. You're always in the middle, man. All right. The Geno Smith sets a new Seahawks record with 42 passing touchdowns. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> Is that, did you do the same one, Kevin? Uh, my prediction number two, rewrite me back. Gino breaks his own yardage record and breaks Russ's single season touchdown record. Yeah, 40 is a lot of touchdowns. It so. is a lot. Do you have 41 or 43, Kevin? I was actually going to say something different, which was like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both get 12 touchdowns. But then I was like, you know what? This is really just a, a Geno Smith prediction. Like he's going to throw a bunch of touchdowns. And, and, that's kind of where I settled. Is that like I'm just gonna put it all on Gino? So I think you and I have a similar thought there because uh, my thought was that having more th- three wide receiver sets is gonna lead to more chunk yardage plays, which means we're probably gonna have uh, longer touchdowns because like you think about Jackson Smith and Jigba working the middle on those like 12 yard like crossers and stuff, those are primed for touchdowns. There's just more more of the plays that the last couple of years have been ending up inside the five and then we run it in. I could see them resulting in passing touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So right, same page there. Yeah. I'm in, I mean, I agree. I it's uh, it's interesting. It's just hard. It's hard to, to, you know, how do I, how do I put this? 40 like touchdowns is a lot. It's of just touchdowns. hard. It's hard to get 40 touchdowns. So I'm surprised anyone else went there. Uh, yeah. He had 30 last season and he played really, really well. I just think the passing attack is going to uh, – I, I don't necessarily know if he's going to play better than last season, but I wanted to have a Geno prediction, and I think you do too, because I want to be on the corner of last year was not a fluke. Yeah, exactly. Last year is not a fluke. So, okay. All right, we're back. I guess we're back to you, Eric. I guess so. Um, I don't, tell me if this isn't bold enough. I think it's pretty bold for a rookie, especially with who's on the team with him. Devin Witherspoon, four interceptions. I think that's fair. That's I, good. I don't know if that's bold enough. A really good I think year. it's really good. It's just is four not bold enough? I because I did, I don't see six, but I honestly see four. And uh, you want to get spicy? Yeah. Uh, how about Witherspoon sacks plus interceptions over six? Oh, I six. Oh, over. Over. Yeah. If I think six. he's got four, I think he's going to have probably three sacks. Which yeah. that's a really really good season from a nickel. Yeah, yeah, I can dig it. I it's uh because Kobe had two and two, and he had a very good rookie year. Okay, uh, all right. The Seahawks greatly improve on their already inflated sack numbers from last year, netting a grand total of sixty sacks, which is a lot. Whoa! Wow. Um, which how many did the Eagles have last year? Do you know? Fifty-eight. No, I don't. I think they had more than 60 because they had three guys with 10 or more. They had from their top three pass rushers. I think they had a 
18, 30. They had like they had over 40 sacks from their top three pass rushers. I can just look right now. Maybe I went too high with 60. They had 70. No, 60's good. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm I'm down with 60. 60 sacks for the Seattle Seahawks this year. All right, Kevin, what you got? All right, we're going three for three because uh, I'm going to have one that uh, Eric's about to like and you're about to like. Okay. Here we go. The, the last one, we're going back to the defense and we're going back to music because this one's called uh, Under Pressure. I thought it was going to be called Otto Myers. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> uh, the Seahawks will have three players with 50 or more total pressures and three players with 10 or more total sacks per PFF tracking. Uh, for the record, Philly was the only team with three double-digit sack guys in 2022. New England was the only team with three 50-plus pressure guys. They actually had four guys with 10 or more sacks, too. And Sweat, I will go one step further. Hargrave, Graham, and Reddick. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the three guys to do those two things, I'm not saying it's going to be the three, same three guys for both, but I think that those are going to be comprised of uh, Nuosu, Mafe, Taylor, and Draymond Jones. Okay. So I'll give you I'll give you four that's names kinda, to get the three guys. That's kind of why I, I thought we could put up a big number this year. It's like people are not really counting on the ten sacks Draymond Jones is about to give us. Like that's that's kind of a an under the radar thing that's happening and people are forgetting. This guy is a premier interior. He had pass seven rusher. sacks last season for a Denver team that traded away its only other pass rusher halfway through the year. Yeah, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be very good interior pass rusher for us. Uh, getting to play next to Nwosu or uh, or Taylor, I think's gonna gonna keep him nice and free too. Okay, uh, bonus prediction: uh, Jake Myers or Jason Myers doesn't miss a, a field goal the whole season. There you go. Maybe a bonus. Bonus. Too one. bold, Nathan. Too bold. That's not too bold. He's Otto Myers. I know it's. I know it's the wrong. It's odd number year. We're on the odd number year. Yeah. It's, no, but he's, we're, he break, we're breaking curse. Fire. We're Very breaking curse off this year. So the factory uh, will get his will get him straightened back out. <laughs> oh man! So okay, uh, you guys, did you guys did you guys do playoff projections for your uh, for your f- football uh, prediction or whatever playoff predictor? What was it called? I playoff? do have my I do have I was, my playoff. Uh, I was gonna say I know Kevin did. I did Kevin, not. Kevin, what you what'd you pick? Kevin Spotlight. Okay. I want to hear it. I just want to hear it. So I have a. Uh, so, do you want my AFC, NFC champs and Super Bowl, or do you want just my division winners? What are you doing? Go ahead, just give it, give me all, as much as you want. I'll give you a, a, a my mine in just a second. Okay, AFC, I have the Bills, Chiefs, uh, Bengals, and uh, Jaguars winning their divisions. Uh, my wild card teams, I have the Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns, and I have. The um, I have the Bills finally breaking through and getting to the Super Bowl from the AFC. Okay, wow. nice. On the NFC side, I have the Eagles, Seahawks, Saints, and Lions winning their divisions with the uh, 49ers, Giants, and Cowboys making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I have the Seahawks making it to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Nice. Ooh. And then you have Seahawks over Bills, right? Yeah. Uh, I have Bills over Seahawks. All right. So I have, okay, AFC. I went Chiefs, Jags, Ravens, Bills. And then my wild cards are Bengals, Browns, and Steelers. Yep. Um, and then and then in the NFC, it's Seahawks, for, uh, Eagles, Falcons, Lions, and then Saints and Cowboys. Um, and then uh, I have Seahawks over, over uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I think we're really good. 
I think, and honestly, I think we can give an AFC team a run to their money. Absolutely in the Super Bowl. The, I think us and I, I think us and Philly are the I hate picking us for Super Bowl because everyone's gonna make fun of me now. It's gonna be like, oh, such a homer, <laughs> such a homer pick. I'm just and wondering it is. when you're gonna get the tattoo. And it is, but I will tell you this: the NFC playoffs were very weak. And then I'm just like, okay, well, I might as well. Just, if I'm gonna pick us to make the Super Bowl, I might as well pick us to win it. I'm not gonna just like get there because honestly, if I'm really picking, the Chiefs are gonna would beat. I bet on them to beat us. But I mean, I had the NFC Championship as Falcons Seahawks. Like that's that's like not nobody's scared of nobody's scared of any teams in the NFC. I feel like this week, except for maybe the Eagles. But I don't think you should be scared of the Eagles. And here's here's why. You ready? They lost their offensive coordinator. And their defensive coordinator. And it's like, I don't know. They have a lot of talent, but that can matter. And there's might be some bumps in the road. They also are the, they won tons of one score games last year. So they're a prime candidate to regress. And did they pick up enough talent to kind of stymie some of that regression? Yes. But that doesn't mean they're going to get 13 plus wins again. I, I'm at 12 and five. And I think that's very reasonable. So, okay. Um, that's fair. Yeah. All right. There we go. And the te- I'm so into one other team I'm really into right now. You know, like the way I got into the Falcons, I'm really into the Steelers right now. So I'm going to let you guys know that. Okay, uh, Kenny Pickett. So uh, I don't know the Steelers making the playoffs. I have Kenny, them missing the playoffs at 11 and 6. Kenny Pickett low-key kind of good. And then TJ Watt is like literally a monster. Like that guy is just insanity. Kenny Pickett healthy, is going to be fine. They, that's the best review we can give him. He's yeah, if TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick are healthy, that defense will be fine. A lot of people are worried about their corners because they're young or unproven, but this is it doesn't matter. You have two guys like that that can just like tilt the field so much. That's like but that's what the Seahawks have been missing. If I'm being honest, the thing that bugs me most about the Seahawks roster construction, we have a lot of good players all over the field, but we don't have one guy that's just like, oh, you totally got to make sure you know where that guy is on every play. Okay, especially if someone's when going the, to do that, who is? Especially on defense. I'm not. I'm talking about offense. You got to know where DK and Tyler and Charbonnet and Walker, our offense is crazy. Our yeah. offense is going to put up, we're going to score points. Okay, um, it's the defense. And well, I just don't know. On the defensive side of the football, if you have to guess who's going to take a step this season, like you have to predict one of the defenders. What defender do you think is most likely to take the step to be a field tilting defender? I think Eric. I think Eric has it right. I think it's Boye Mafe. Boye Mafe just looks it just like he's ready. Right. He, f- it does. he feels yeah. like he's ready. Yeah, I think Eric is guys on that. If my second choice would be Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones just becoming just a sack monster, just getting like fourteen sacks and being an absolute interior just wrecking ball would not surprise me either. Uh, Eric, uh, I guess if you had to pick somebody health, healthy, Jamal Adams would. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Yeah. That, is, that, is, that, is, that a, is that even a thing? Is that even a thing that exists? No, healthy anywhere? Jamal Adams doesn't. I exist. don't. Yeah, I don't. He can't. He can't hurt you. <laughs> Never seen him. <laughs> Eric, is there anyone? Anyone else on the defense you think could make the leap? New uh, ACL. Who dis? I mean, I, I I I do I do like my boy. I mean, uh, I he's, feel like he's my special your boy. boy. Eh? He's my special boy, eh? Mafe. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I feel like Ty's got a, a really good chance to uh, to be solid this year. Not not too crazy, but um, Ty, Ty Smith like eight sacks would be so I'm huge because it's just completely un- hilarious. Be completely unexpected. Yeah. If he okay. came out with five sacks, though, would you be like, "Wow, that was a good season"? That's a five good sa- season. Five sacks. That's, is a good season. that's what I'm thinking from him. Uh, that's that's a bold enough bonus prediction. Okay, so uh, my top two guys have not been mentioned yet. Uh, yeah. There's only one man who's referred to as a Hall of Famer already. I think Jenny Goldjackets could go off, like off, off. 
Uh, okay. I, I think mean, he, I think he's a very complete player, and yeah, uh, he can he can he can win a pass rush with both speed and power, and with a more talented pass rush around him, um, I think some of his pressures from last year become sacks because he had over sixty pressures last year, which is by far the most on the team. Uh, the other person is the, the thing I, about Chenna Nuosu though is like we saw it for four years in in Los Angeles, man. He just never yeah, because they coach defense so well over there. I'm not saying that uh, Chargers have historically <laughs> terrible coaching, but I'm just saying like he had so much time and they gave him a lot. Of, there was a lot of opportunity there too. It wasn't like and he was playing with Bosa and all these really good players and he could never get over five sacks. I'm just afraid like we've seen peak Nuosu now. And that's what it was was last year, which honestly, I would be very happy if he just repeated last season. Yeah, that would be completely fine. I would be completely fine with that. It's a very good 61 pressures, 10 sacks every year. We're good. Yeah, it's just a completely fine. There's nothing wrong with last season. I'm just saying there might not be any room to go higher than that. That's my that's my my fear. I would not be at all surprised to see him get 15 sacks. We tapped into the the untapped potential that the Chargers didn't have. And that was it. That was what we saw. (laughs) Anyway, what was your your other one? Uh. I could see Tariq Woolen being the kind of guy you just don't throw to that side of the field. Okay. If, yeah, if it clicks yeah, and he's able to play with a little bit more discipline, he could just be that. You're like, well, Reek's over there, so we'll just throw the other way. The Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw at Sherman game? Yes. <laughs> that game was so ridiculous. <laughs> so funny. That game was ridiculous. Oh, man. So funny. Okay. Uh, they Here's our punt returners listed on, on the depth chart right now. DJ Dallas. Jackson Smith and I made a face when I said that. By the way, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett. Kevin, you're right. It is going to be Lockett. I hate this so much. <laughs> Tyler Lockett, thirty year old Tyler. Lockett. Is he thirty yet? Is he twenty nine still? He he's bald. He's got the hair of a thirty year old man. I would rather sure. put Trey. Um, Tyler Lockett is thirty. I was right. Okay, so thirty years old. Tyler Lockett going to be back there, just fair catching every single time. Because <laughs> there's no way he's returning any kicks. He doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't care. Okay. He's got family uh, to think about now. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> he's married now. It's, this is a, it's, it's over. He's not taking any stupid hits. The first time he gets hit, he's going to be pulling a Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, be like the man, the myth, the legend, Chip, and join the join the Discord, join uh, join the conversation. Uh, also, special announcement: I'm working. I got something in the works for the Discord for those of you who just for whatever reason don't want to give me a dollar. <laughs> uh, so don't worry. Once the season starts, you will see you will see that uh, maybe on social media that I don't ever post from or whatever. So for the rest or, of you, better make sure your credit cards are public. Updated. Public Patreon <laughs> posts, something like that. Uh, thanks to those support the show: Manuel, Andy, Chip, obviously Brett, Cooper, Evan, Loctimus, Gavin, James, Joe's, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Micah, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay. Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Noah, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. Uh, okay. Oh, and also thank you to uh, I don't know if I if this is the same guy I already said his name, but Nicholas. And there's like a doctor in the Discord, and he's always talking to us about the injuries. And I do think it's cool to have like a medical professional. I'm sorry. Do you that... mean the Seahawks Nest official chief medical correspondent, Nicholas? Yeah, he... He's like, he's okay. like, there's no way that cast is coming off with with in the next four weeks. And I was like, oh man, come on, let, let's maybe we got it will. To have the dumbest conversation about how he can catch with a cast on. That was my yes. favorite part because because he's like, he's like, JSM might be able to do some stuff, but he's not gonna be able to play a lot because that cast is not coming off. And I'm like, come on, come on now, soft cast, um, anyone, anyone? Yeah, 
Oh, okay. So I read the rules, Kevin. Speaking of soft cast, okay. I went and I went and read the rules. I was like, what are the rules about wearing a cast? Because like I remember Jason Pierre Paul that stupid club thing, and he was like hitting people in the yes. head with it and stuff. And then so apparently it has to be rubberized. So you, so the outside of that club that Jason Pierre Paul had was had like an inch of rubber all around it. So he was, so, it was so, more so like so he, good. No, but it was more like he was hitting you like um, with, with a medicine like, ball, sockum boppers or whatever. You know what I mean? Like those things <laughs> when you're a kid, because it has to be bouncy rubber too. If it's too hard, they won't let you play with it. So, so it has Dude. to be soft and squishy. Okay, mild tangent. Remember watching the Tariq Woolen uh, college football film, and he w- had to wear one of those at playing corner. Yeah, and it was just like a big club. And you're like, I have no idea if this guy has ball skills or not because his arm is a giant club. Dude, I his college tape was worrying. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> but it, but it, but it was but it's worked out fine. I mean, if there's anyone who could mold like a young athlete like that, it, like Pete said in the in the Richard Sherman interview, he wants wants guys who are interesting and can he can like help them be the best version of themselves. That's like a cool thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into hey, movie. Speaking club. of inspiring. Yeah, okay. We saw Spider-Man. Uh, this is Spider-Man. Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. By the way, the Mariners had the bases loaded with two outs and didn't get a run. I'm 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 will admit Whoa, I'm kind of scoreboard down. I'm kind of scoreboard watching right here, and it's not it's I'm unhappy right now because uh you know <laughs> get let's get some runs across the plate. We wa- they walked one in, but they could have their bases were loaded, so they could have got more. Okay. We've already left five runners on base against the stupid A's. Okay. <laughs> Any, anyway, guys. Um, Gotta across love the, these guys. Across the, across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, y'all saw it in the theaters. I watched it um, in probably the worst conditions possible. Uh, well, being the, jumped on by two small children. And there was also like... we. So sometimes when you watch... Okay, I'm going to give let you guys a little behind the curtain of my movie watching experiences recently. Sometimes when you watch these like moderately not legal uh no they're illegal illegal streams of these films that are still in the theater um and i'm mostly just doing it because i'm gonna buy this movie when it comes out on whatever streaming service so it's like i'm just like i'm like pre-watching something i'm gonna buy later Uh, uh, anyway the the when you're watching it sometimes they like intersperse advertisements but like they don't try to time it to anything so it'll just be like every <laughs> every 15 minutes i gotta watch like a one minute ad for like a like a indian casino in in like hindi <laughs> like i can't i can't express to you like what that what that does to the movie watching experience with that being said why don't you guys take it away a little bit because because it, it definitely made probably made the movie less enjoyable for me than it was for you guys so go go ahead uh what what did you guys think about the sequel to to uh spider-man into the spider-verse right, which is by the way like... as i think you can make an argument as the greatest superhero movie of all time the first one uh so the first thing is, I think we all agree the hypometer on this movie was like through the roof because the first movie was so good and the hype around this one was exceptional too, right? Well, everyone uh, they're everyone they were adding as a voice is like, oh yeah, I love Daniel Kaluuya. Oh yeah, I love I love Oscar Isaac. I love Jason Schwartzman. I I love uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Andy like everyone Sandberg. they're yeah. everyone they're adding is like great, like legitimately great. So yeah, it was pretty sweet. So I like that this was a direct sequel. I thought that was a smart way to handle it. So it picks up basically right after the events of Into the Spider-Verse with him dealing with, uh, you know, his new Spidey friends having to go back to their own place, uh, which includes the end of his uh, newly found relationship. Um, and I thought the dimension hopping 
was brought in in a really interesting way. Um, spoilers, I guess we should say. Uh, so, Eric, how'd you feel about the actual story on this one? Well, I liked it a lot. Um, obviously, you know, bringing Gwen into focus in this one. So, you know, the last movie is obviously like Miles. And giving her the moral dilemma, too. Yeah. I mean, you had you had Miles in the first one. Uh, then, you know, the Peter B. Parker angle and then Gwen. This one felt like a Gwen movie first. And then at the end, kind of like shared it with Miles, which I thought was really great because it's not, you know, Miles Morales into the Spider-Verse. It's, it's going, you know, basically Spider-Man and you can take that from any dimension. Uh, Gwen's kind of opening scene really, really nailed down a, a nice anchor for the movie. Um, like you said, her moral dilemma with, uh, you know, having to work for um, Miguel's uh, spider what spider guild spider uh, people? What about Italian? What about Italian vulture though? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was uh, fun. <laughs> so uh, the whole point. So uh, so what happened was I, uh, Spider Gwen was I, uh, basically dimension hopping for uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine Miguel Oliveira, and uh, Oscar Isaac's voice. And what's happening is. They are basically having to go around and fix. Uh, they're they're quantum leaping their way through the multiverse to uh, make sure things are happening. They're supposed to be happening, and it kind of gets to this lore around. There are certain events that need to happen in a spider person's existence in order to make them the spider person they need to be. And so you kind of build out the like. There, there's. I like it because it would be satire if it wasn't so blatantly loyal to what it was doing. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's a little bit cheesy and it's kind of like, it's almost breaking the fourth wall where it's like, well, you have to have a family member that dies. You have to have, and so you have like this checkbox approach to what makes a spider Can- person. Canon, canon events, right? Yes. The canon events. And the way that was done was really, was really interesting. And so, um, these spider people's job is to go around and make sure that these canon events are happening when and where they're supposed to. And anytime, something gets, you know, shifted or moved around, they have to quantum leap into the area and make sure that, like, things go according to the way the timeline's supposed to go. And uh, where Gwen stuck is she really wants to see Miles. Um, she's very loyal to him as on an individual level as a friend and, you know, romantic interest. Uh, on the flip side of it, she also is really loyal to uh, what Miguel O'Hara, what Spider-Man 2099 is trying to do. And she has a, uh, you know, she has that full sense of responsibility and duty that a spider person's supposed to have. Like she had her triggering events in order to make that happen. And so uh, really the core conflict at the center of the movie is her having to figure that part out. But we get to see it through the point of view of Miles Morales and he definitely plays a central role, but it's just interesting where really the, the moral dilemma at the middle of the movie is Gwen's moral dilemma. And for Miles Morales instead, it's the whole uh, when he finds out that he wasn't supposed to be a Spider-Man. And it ends up becoming his canon event, basically, that like, OK, well, whether I was supposed to be or not, I am. And now I still have that same level of responsibility. A Spider-Man's, if you will. Spider people. Um, bringing it to the end, since we're already going full spoiler, um, 
and you should have tuned out if you don't want to be spoiled. I mean, honestly, if they were listening this far and they hadn't seen the movie, yeah. they're, they, they now, they're, now they're bummed out. Uh, no, <laughs> the, uh, the end with uh, Miles hopping the uh, wrong dimension, that was something I didn't expect. And I kind of play it on like a double twist, which I think is something that is talked about, but I don't know if I could ever seen before this movie mm-hmm. um, really blew me away. And it kind of like, I liked the movie, but it wasn't up to par on the, from the last one until that scene where miles meets miles. And then I was like, Oh wow. This is like, this is the perfect bridge movie. If there, if there are three movies and they all connect this is the perfect bridge movie. This Prowler, is the Prowler Miles. Yeah, Prowler, Prowler Miles. Miles that was just really like, cool. man, that is rough. And I want to learn so much more about Prowler Miles. Like, I do not want him glossed over. I want, I want, like, I'm pretty a sure he's story like, about him. He's going to be like the most, yeah, most important character. I mean, that's Teen Kevin from Moonlight is the voice. So it's like a real serious actor. They're not, they, they're not playing around. He'll have a lot to do in the next, yeah. in the next yeah. movie. Um, real that, quick. This is my biggest problem with the movie, actually. So I want to say it is that yeah. this movie is like a, a three hour. No, it's is it? No, it's not. It's, it's like close. Two, no, it's two, two hours, hours tw- twenty minutes. Two hour and twenty minutes set up for another movie, which is tough for me. I I I don't like. I like the story to. Um, I would. It say needs be more, to find its own conclusion for this. Correct. Arc. It needs to be more whole. I I don't mind when movies are part of a trilogy. And I like we all knew the next movie was coming. And I do think that's why they wanted to release this one so close to the next one. Like their original yeah. plan, I think, was this movie May 30th and the next movie for like this Christmas. Yes. They were like they were like, we're going to hammer these out pretty quick. Like we're not going to make you wait a whole bunch which would have been so these, cool, which was a good idea. Now that we're going to have to wait like two years or more that more because they took the next one off the calendar because of the writer strike. It's tough. It's tough for me to get to. Thanks, executives. Yeah, to support like this. This is like this sucks. It sucks, and it it is like a uh, a downer on this movie. I can't feel like I cannot properly rate this movie until I see the third one, because it will determine how I feel a lot about this movie. In the same way that like, you know, Super or Star Wars Nine is made Star Wars Eight, a movie that I was fine like before I had seen Star Wars Nine, I was fine with into like a movie I don't care about anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Star Wars eight, Star Wars seven, eight, and nine, all just they're about as good as the prequels to me now. Like they're all just kind of it's called just kind of schlock. Fumbled trash. it so hard at the goal line, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. It's like if I want to watch Star Wars now, we should be watching the shows. Like watch Andor, Andor rules. Like, can we talk about <laughs> the AV on this movie? By the way, okay. the art and music, it's good. Are just so good. Like uh, I, I really so I, I feel like the audio was just as strong as the first movie. One, but one, like the way that they gave the different art style to the different uh, spider dimensions, and it was it was so comic booky in such a cool way each, that it changed how people are trying to animate movies now. Each character felt yeah. so distinct, not just the way that they were drawn, but also the way that they were animated, and that's like really cool to me. Like though, like every spider character really just had like a totally unique feel on the screen which is just so difficult to do yeah spider-man india and that whole sequence and the way that whole thing was set up and shot what was the name of this was, what so was cool. the name of city he was from uh, I, I don't know uh, some hatton it was like it was like manhattan but it was Dilly, like uh, Dilly hatton or something something like that, like that. Uh, yeah it was it was it a went, really cheesy thing oh, to do it was um mumbahattan mumbahattan 
Well, and I love it's uh, uh, Paviter. <laughs> yeah, Paviter uh, Probarker. Yes, Pabarker. that was that was so perfect. Yeah, yeah, um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit uh, more of that. Um, his uh, his bangle that he used for his web slinging was. <laughs> no, I, I just thought like, wow, I really, I really love the honestly the love that went into that character, which is what you guys said. Every character, it was like every character got the love, and that was good. Yeah, Spider Punk was was awesome. Oh, Hobie. Like, and again, Hobie another drastic so... departure in art. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I will say, like a lot of people are comparing the new Ninja Turtles movie to this movie to these movies. Um, I'm just gonna say, like, since we're probably never gonna do turtle the new Turtles movie on this podcast, I don't think I think it was never come together. One thing I liked about the new Turtles movie was it felt grimy in a way that in a way that these movies don't. This movies they have their own unique art style, they but there was like a layer of like dirt over that 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 <laughs> that 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 um new turtles movie that I felt like made it kind of its own thing, and I really liked that. I really liked how how dirty because they live in a they live in a sewer. <laughs> it should feel grimy. Like it's, what I will say is, uh, I feel like the Spider Verse movies, um, the first one did it, and the this one did it to a uh, an even bigger degree, are really making it so it's like a wider variety of animation styles are, are being considered acceptable for bigger budget animated films. Like that's what I like when movies like Kubo, the two strings and like other stuff that was doing something a little bit different was it able is. to get made. This is a, a very mainstream <clears throat> uh, animated movie using a very indie style of doing its art and, and making bank on it. Another, and you felt like all animation style was converging on Pixar yep. for a while. Yeah. And now, and now we find, and then now luckily some people have boldly broken from that. And we are, I, I think we'll start to see it, it uh, branch out a little bit because yeah, it was kind of annoying. Like I, I, I like Pixar movies, but you know, they're, they seem to generally be getting worse. Although I like some of the newer ones I really liked, like Luca, for example, I thought was great, mm-hmm. but, but the, um, and then... But everyone else, like I, it's cool when studios have a style. Like it's cool when uh, different like art teams and stuff. Like the the visuals in an animated movie are a big part of what makes that movie interesting. And the more different visual styles you can have, the more you can kind of put your stamp on things. The more, the more there is to enjoy. Like I don't want to see Toy Story. Toy Story's been made. You know, I want to see what's the coolest thing you can do. Yeah, it it's cool to see. see and another thing too is, is I think these movies are a little bit cheaper overall to make. So I think they, they're made faster. That's why they, they they retain that look. Is it's a way mm. to basically not dial everything in and like, just be like, like yeah. let's see it. Across the Spider Verse got made for a hundred million dollars. Like you could not make a big budget superhero movie for anywhere near that amount of money. So for the, for the the studios, you know, it represents less of a risk to be like, hey, let's let them make whatever kind of animated style they want or do something kind of crazy. Right. Because mm-hmm. what the risk is lower when you, with the lower budget, I think that's what the, the advantage animation has over other movies right now. Where like, if you're going to make, you know, freaking, what is it? Like blue beetle. Is that the one that just came out? Yep. Yes. Did you see blue beetle, Eric? No, because it's uh, in theater. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle cost more to make than than this Spider Man movie, and then, that makes sense. You know, they didn't have to spend any money on actors for that movie, so <laughs> maybe George Lopez is really expensive. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, okay, so not anymore, he's not. So yeah, and that that's that's kind of the the thing is that these movies just represent like lower lower risk for studios, and 
hopefully we can get more great stuff because this animated stuff, I think it it is as emotionally moving as any regular film at this point. And let's hope the third movie delivers. All right. Anything else? That's it. No, just, right, cool. if you, it, it's worth watching. Uh, I already saw it in theaters and I'll be buying it later on, just like I did with Into the Spider-Verse. I already pre-ordered it for, for digital download. Yeah. So, all right, for Kevin, for Eric, we will uh, see you next week. Go Hawks.